We all pot down here. No se trata de con quien quieres hablar, sino de con quien hablas. It's not about who you want to talk to, but who you talk to. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Dan. And I'm Brittany. And this week we are going to be talking about Veronica from 2017. And we are joined by our lovely guests. We have Shell and Layla from the Stoned Witches Hour. Ladies, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Layla. Hi, and I'm Shell. And we are from uh, the Stoned Witches Hour. Um, Layla and I are best friends for almost 30 years. And we talk about ghosty, paranormally, witchy, marijuana-related stuff and have a good time. Yeah, I met Shell, like she said, quite a while ago. She was the leading lady playing Janet in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So she right? was the cool <laughs> chick and I was the new witch in town. And we've been friends ever since. I love Rocky Horror. Yeah, we we grew up on the East Coast together. Um, well, we didn't grow up together, but we met on the East Coast and we're friends there. And then I moved out to California. Shell moved to Salem, Massachusetts. And then the pandemic hit and we couldn't see each other. So we decided to uh, start a little start podcast, a podcast where we could get high like we used to and talk about scary stories just like uh, we used to. And now we're having a good time doing that for everybody else, too. And we love it. Yeah, it's fun. We have a good time. That's the whole point. Have fun. Yeah, exactly. So, and we'll put a link to your show in our show notes and everything to have easy access to it and everything. So, but yeah, so to get us started off, I'll just give kind of a very general overview. Um, I'm going to say up front, there's going to be spoilers throughout this episode. It's not going to be one of our spoiler versus spoiler free ones. So spoiler alert. You, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix you have no excuse. So Veronica is um, a teenage girl who's being stalked by something evil after she's played with a Ouija board. And so she did this with some of her classmates and she's attempting to contact her deceased father. But we're also going to talk about the scariest part of all, which is this is based on a true story. And the true story, in my opinion, is actually scarier than the movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So to get us started, I'd love to hear what did you guys think of the movie? This is definitely one of those I go back to. I have this theory about about people attracting badness, um, pulling in evil entities. When you use a Ouija board, it really comes down to fuck around and find out. And that is what Veronica did. <laughs> they found she out around and found out. And I kind of went into this. I'm not a big person that likes movies with subtitles. And part of that is because I am a stoner. So having to read a movie <laughs> is sometimes a lot for me. Um, but this, like right from the minute you hit play, the minute that Netflix, like, <laughs> from then on, you are just like, you can't look away. You can't pull away. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I liked it too, because it, I, I liked how it looked. I liked I guess they got a little heavy handed in some spots, I thought, but I, I liked it. It worked. You know, all the symbolism and everything that was so thick through the whole movie kind of made me enjoy it. At first, this I was like, more. oh, man, are you going to keep showing this over and over again? But then I kind of got into it and I liked how much they were layering on the different mm -hmm. images and symbolism. So it was fun. For I sure. liked it. It was, it was fun. The creep factor was so high. Mm -hmm. So it was high. Really good. So yeah. creepy. How they filmed it, though, was I think I think contributed to that. Like. This was not some big Hollywood theatrical production with all the big bells and whistles and, you know, the, the Matrix animatronic bullshit. Like how they filmed this added to the creep factor. 100%. Mm -hmm. And I love to watch this a couple of times and there's little things that I picked up on that I hadn't seen the first time. Like at the beginning when they're looking at the eclipse through the photo negatives, at one point, the one sister, you can see the photo negative she's using is the photo that Veronica's using during the seance. And like, yeah. I actually, this is the, like, I think my fourth watch through and I didn't notice it until the fourth time. And I was like, oh my gosh, like little things like that, that just, I think just make the rewatchability for that kind of stuff. Great. 
that's that's what I'm talking about with the symbolism because I did see that in the beginning. I could see that that was the negative that they were using, and then you know the the superimposition of the the sun on the Ouija board, and then the sun and the the symbolism of it kind of being eclipsed, going again along with the the planchette, the glass they were using on the Ouija board, and and then later repeating that symbolism with the light around the moon. Mm-hmm. doing the same thing it just again it was really obvious and really thick but it kind of added to the whole atmosphere and the whole creepiness of all of it and I really liked it yeah and right before they do the seance remember when she had they're telling her to turn off the projector right when they're getting ready to leave and you can see like the projector sun's just like right on her chest and like then just turns off again just kind of alludes to like oh, some bad things are going to happen here yeah it's that psychological factor and for me one of the creepiest moments was the first time you kind of see the the creepy ghoul, I guess. I won't say where it is, but they don't make a big deal about it. It's kind of off a little bit, not in the like center of attention. Thought. Yeah. And just in the background, that creeped me out so bad. And then seeing the reflection and I was just like, I had to stand up. I was like, that's just creepy. <laughs> I was like, nope, this is this. I already knew then that it was going to be a super creepy movie, but I liked how subtle it was that they didn't make it a big deal about it. Yeah. It's just like, it was just like kind of like lurking in the background and like, yeah. you see it like, like, like when she turns off the TV and it's just like, it's there, but if you don't pay attention, there's a lot of these things that you may not even see. Right. And that's part of the rewatchability because, you know, you turn away, you take a sip of your drink, you grab some chips and dip, you miss some of these tiny things. So there's, there is such a, a, a rewatchable factor to this because it is good enough to, every time you see it, kind of focus on the things you weren't necessarily focusing on on the last watch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, def- it's definitely not a one and done kind of movie for me. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of layers with it. And with the, with the actual true story, they, they got a lot of things right. Like the idea of a very, like a dark shadowy black figure that had no facial expression, no, no mouth, no eyes, just blankness. And they really hit that, that note really well. And I really enjoyed that, that detail. And like the, the creepy demon guy was very very scary partly maybe because it looked human but had no face mm-hmm. made it that, that much scary yes yeah yeah that's like that's how she, in like the real story that's kind of how she had described it and and a lot of it they got very similar but there's also a lot of things they left out that i thought would have actually been good to have in the movie like one of our biggest criticisms i think is that when they talk about like in the movie the board the board actually breaks like when they're doing the seance but in real life, what had happened was a nun found them doing this and broke the board, like, I guess, over her knee. And they said that right. this, like, black smoke or something went up, like, into her mouth and nose from yeah. the board. Wow. Yeah, like, went up into her face. And the, the real girl's name was um, Estefina Gutierrez Larazzo. This black mist went up into her face and, engulfed, and went into her, just went inside of her. And that's what her friends attested wow. to see. So... It would have been really great, I think, to have shown something like that in the movie, one for realism, because when, when, of course, there's going to be some artistic license when it comes into these kinds of movies. For sure. For me, if it can be as close to the real story as possible, I appreciate that because I want to hear the true story, not a retelling or a totally fabricated version of it. This kind of meets halfway in the middle because a lot of the, in reality, a lot of the creepy stuff that happened happened after she died. Mm-hmm. Wherein this happens to her, which I understand doing that, but because it, it, it would be really hard to kill the main character in the middle of the movie, it would be really hard. Yeah. But the, the, the true story is a lot of the stuff that happened later is actually happened after she was gone. Mm-hmm. I thought they kind of alluded to that. I, I, I agree with it would have been more interesting maybe to show the the smoke going into her, but they kind without giving anything away yet, they kind of allude to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And so maybe they didn't want to show it right away so that they could kind of reveal it slowly over time. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if maybe that was an artistic license thing or if they just like with the father, her, she in, in the movie, she wanted to bring her father back in real life. Her father, I think he might still be alive. Yeah, it was like an ex-boyfriend or, so, or a boyfriend they wanted to. They actually that was actually a true thing, too. Yeah, that part was true. It was one of the friends had a, a boyfriend who died on a motorcycle accident. And it was they had that part in the movie, too. That was part of the original intention of, of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I like that they did little things like that. Like It seems it's like the, they don't say the exact place it takes place, but it's a very similar looking neighborhood, similar looking yeah. apartment mm-hmm. building. 
They alluded to the address. Yeah, that's similar. That's yeah. This, like this, that. took, this took place what in a small town outside of Madrid, Spain. Um, I believe it was actually it was a town with it was like a little like neighborhood within within Madrid. Okay. Yeah, it was in um is it uh Vacayas? That mm-hmm. was pronounced. I, will, I think so. My Spanish pronunciations are terrible sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> so much like in our podcast, I, I researched the true story first. I didn't look up anything about the movie, and I, before watching it, I decided to go into the the true story, and and it is fascinating. And it's the only record. It's either the first or still the only police report that directly mentions paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. And I find that absolutely fascinating that it's in an it's paranormal in an activity. Record witnessed by the police mm-hmm. yeah yep and that they've actually put on our police report like you said yeah that's that's what made me really want to see this because the fact that it's depicting that one instance where they actually admitted it that it happened and they op- i loved how they opened the movie with that kind of atmosphere you know the rain and the 911 call i was on edge right from the first seconds that it opened and and knowing the backstory just had me right there i was just gripped and it was just very very well done i thought the opening just caught my attention immediately that's exactly and and that's exactly what i meant by even though i'm not a big subtitle movie person this one got you sucked in from the get go whether you wanted to read it or not yep. yeah they even got a lot of the little details about the district of Madrid. So it was in Vallecas and there's a, this, when they're in the, the bar that the mother works in, they're depicting a soccer game going on. And the team that they show that the people were in the jerseys for and the game that they're referencing is actually the local team that a real team talking about Rayo, but I guess Belicano and um, it's, the an actual team in that from that district that they're referencing. So I, I'm glad they get a lot of the little details like that. Totally right. And that's one of the things that only a soccer nut like me would. I was going to say Dan's a huge soccer out. fan. So. <laughs> so immediately I'm like, they got the team right. And I was really happy about that. Yeah. They paid attention to a lot of detail. Yeah. And they mentioned like the, one of the goals or something like that, that the guy got and you're like, I'm pretty sure that was this exact date and stuff. And you're like looking at it. Yeah. There was a real player they referenced and everything. I'm like, wow, they really got this right. Yeah. So that was fun. And I love little details like that. Cause there's one of those things that some people may not care about, but it's like, it's just like, it shows the attention to detail and how much they cared to not just make this only a scary story, but make it just feel more real because of the fact it was a real story. Yeah, it did. And the details again, were everywhere. I, I, did you guys, there were crosses everywhere. Like they, they would go out of their way to, to make a shot where things would form a cross in, in your view. And I just, I thought again, in the beginning, I thought, Oh, this is kind of heavy handed, but by the end I was loving all of it and looking for it. So it was really neat. They, these are kind of the things in my opinion that you find more so in foreign-made films, absolutely, where where that attention to detail is there and it's spot on, and you don't find that as much in American-made movies, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you got to go to the more underground stuff to get that kind of attention to detail. A lot of stuff like Robert Eggers makes and whatnot is very detailed in that way, but a lot of a lot of foreign films really do go to that depth, and it makes me appreciate it a lot. Like I think myself and Brittany, we really re- we'll seek out movies that are foreign because I think we usually get a lot more out of them. Like we're big fans of Korean horror and Japanese horror. And a lot of those really get the details right. Mm-hmm. And, so and this movie, yeah. And this movie really does get a lot of the details, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like even the liberties they took with certain things, like I don't mind, like, for example, like, Obviously, like we said, most of the haunting stuff happened after she died, but mm-hmm. and like the police didn't become involved until about six months after she died. So it was like basically a year from the time this incident started, mm-hmm. which obviously depicting that over a whole movie, I realized would be difficult. So right. stuff like that I get. And again, they wanted to make it short. So like in the movie, Veronica dies about three days after the Ouija board incident. Whereas in reality, she died about six months after the incident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like a slow thing that happened to her in reality because she would have like these, like, it would say hallucinations. And she had these moments of rage, like hissing at her brothers, seizures, barking, growling, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they admitted to uh, like doctors looked at her multiple times. They found nothing physically wrong with her. They couldn't identify a reason that this was happening. 
And then she had, she just found her lifeless in her hospital bed. And the autopsy showed that, stated that cause of death was a heart attack. But she's a teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was only 18. And just very, very sad. And and then, then, of course, the craziness really started after she passed away. Then they, they would hear voices saying mama mama stuff like that i hear her screaming in another room yeah the banging on the walls her room her mother would try to keep the room up like tidy and stuff and there were the bed sheets thrown around objects are all strewn all over the room scrapes on the wall cackling and stuff like that and the the symbolism with the cross like you mentioned that they they found a cross with like a like a metal jesus and it was just ripped apart and that's something they found in in the real story the crazy thing about this is, you know, a lot of horror movies that they say are based on true stories. You know, this true story was in the late 1800s. This true story, you know, Layla and I did a bunch that were like a lot in the 40s. Seems to be a lot of horror in the 40s. This isn't that long ago, 1991. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not that long ago. I understand in the grand scheme of things, that's that's pushing a lot of years ago now, almost 30. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it for me. It doesn't feel like it for me. Like 1991 was like a couple of years ago. I was born in 91. So let's just, we'll say that's not that far back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Layla almost fell over. <laughs> graduated in 90. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's not like this is something from generations ago. You know, this is something like 1991 isn't that long ago for, for, for this to this is a modern day spook story. Exactly. And it's, and it's documented by more than just the family. Um, you know, even though I guess after they moved out, everything stopped. It did seem to be centered on Estefania. Yeah. On her and, the, and, and that apartment is just like focused on her. Yeah. So they got away from the place. That she- I'd be curious now, 30 years on, if uh, anyone in that family has experienced anything else since that time Mm -hmm. or if anyone who lived in that apartment after that has experienced anything weird i wouldn't want to live there and it's weird that it was just the apartment and like not the whole building or the whole property you know it was like confined to that apartment which made me think it was more sucked into them than the space and it wasn't as it wasn't just the family too yeah, the fam- the neighbors saw things too. That like neighbors that they saw coming to their house, they saw the heard the banging on the walls and mm-hmm. saw the doors flying open and stuff like that. It's like their neighbors attested to this too. Right. But it did seem to be much like poltergeist activity, you know, that it does seem to directly go back to that we- the smoke from the Ouija board and it just centered on that one teenage girl, much like again, poltergeist type activity isn't necessarily have anything to do with the space, more has to do with the emotions and hormones and, you know, psychic whatever going on with a specific person. So it, it seems to be very much centered around her. So I'm not surprised that reports from people who have lived in that apartment show no activity really since then. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, it was it was wild enough at the time that, like you said, Dan, the, the neighbors noticed it too. And the police coming in have the police report has reference to doors flying open and shut. The the crucifix falling off the wall when no one's in the room with the gouges, three gouges in the wall behind it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are police officers. You expect them to be a little more sober, sober and a little more even keeled. Yeah. than. Yeah, but average. imagine what they were thinking when they walked in on that shit. They were like everything they've known and believed and were trained for, like out the window, all out the window, <laughs> yeah. out the window. Right in that second, they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And Spanish police also have a well-known reputation in Spain of being very skeptical and not really believing a whole lot of things. So coming in you know you get a spanish detective that that the kind of what like the way police officers are in spain they're very skeptical and it's going to take them actually seeing something to really believe it i can't really blame them but like coming in seeing all that shit that made the, they believed it and they they know what they saw and it's amazing that there's actually a legitimate police report that states yeah. these things mm-hmm. like at the end of the movie when the cop is sitting at his typewriter mm-hmm. like sitting there looking at like what do i even say about yeah. this that might have been my favorite part of the movie mm-hmm. like honestly. what do i even say about this at all mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's there's just too much how do you how do you document that without 
be like, all right, I, I know I'm crazy. I might be crazy, but this is what I saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you can do. And they depicted like the, the movie begins with the end scene outside the like two something in the morning, heavy rain and everything. When the big incident, ha- like the major incident happened in 19- 1992, the mother felt a pair of hands grab her feet and her arm in her bed and ran out with the kids and everything that was screaming and everything like that. They depicted that very realistically to what really happened mm-hmm. when the police came and the detective went onto the scene. Mm-hmm. So like they got those moments so well. And they, they, even though the timeline was a bit different for the movie, I understand why they did that. And it, it may, it just fits so well and makes you really interested in the real story and the connections mm-hmm. and everything. And I think the, a lot of the horror in this is the reality of it. Yeah, it was very satisfying once you get to the end of the movie and you start seeing those little things like the mom stopping and then running around the corner near the detective that you saw in the beginning. You know, it felt very satisfying to be like, oh, OK, here's the ending, you know, and mm-hmm. have everything kind of fall into place. It came full circle. The connective tissue was really well done and very meticulously done. And the attention to detail really made me love this movie. The detail. OK, I have to bring it up because it was my favorite part in the whole movie. Did you guys notice the deer and the wolf painting? Mm-hmm. I love that. How cool is that? It just this painting that kept changing throughout the movie until the end, the stag is gone and, and she's wearing the wolf t-shirt. Like, I love it. My daughter and I were watching it together. We were both like, ah, look at that. Yeah. It was just a fun detail to catch. I liked it. Oh, for yeah. sure. And I like that to me. And I might be thinking way too much into it, but I always felt like that meant like kind of like almost like uh, she was, uh, was saying like, you know, it's me, it's me. Like kind of like realizing almost thing that this thing had possessed her yeah. and that she was the one doing these things. Mm-hmm. But it felt like that the, like her with the wolf t-shirt was like kind of like the wolf within, like the, that basically the thing was inside mm-hmm. of her is kind of what it was implying. Yeah. Well, yeah. even prior to that, her t-shirt had been white with the band, but the, the band symbol is almost a cross. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, so, and she had been wearing the white cross t-shirt to bed through the whole movie until the wolf t-shirt came out. Yep. And exactly. I, I just, I loved the transition. It was again, kind of heavy handed, but so cool. All the little details just all over the place. Oh, absolutely. I'm okay when it's, when it's a little heavy handed that way, if it has a reason to be, Yes. and it definitely had a reason to be. And the symbolism drew you into the lore of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I, I, I just, I, that's what really made me love this movie, I think, just because I could watch it again and look for more details. And, and I, I like that about it. It's not a one and done kind of thing. Yeah. And the director was the director behind the original Wreck movie, which is a movie that's very, very a, a lot about details, too. Well, might be something to check out. It's much more gris, much more of a grisly kind of a movie. If you really like found footage, that one's kind of like a combination yeah. of found footage and a zombie movie. So, oh, Wreck okay. is it's pretty brutal. So be like co- coming expecting those. that. But Wreck, Wreck is a, a one I would highly recommend checking out. Yeah, and I liked also like other details, like when they're trying to like you know redo the seance to close the door and everything, and you see the one kid. I was like, this is why you don't trust four-year-olds to draw stuff. But he's in there drawing. Right. He looks, he's like, oh, I guess I don't want to draw this one. I'm going to draw the, the invocation. Like, well, and I'm like, no. This oh, my child. God. Yeah. When he starts <laughs> no. drawing that one, it's like, no, no, don't no. draw that. Draw, draw no, the Viking protect, protection symbols. Yeah. Antonio, I loved no. him. He was yeah. adorable. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he had the cute factor. Great kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then the, all of them were such good actors. Yeah. With the little boy, I was freaked out and didn't expect. I don't know why I didn't expect this. So they're running out of the house and you know how she, she finally finds Antonio and she's running with the girls carrying him. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting her to look in the mirror and have him not in her arms. I'm like, where the fuck did the kid go? Yeah, right. The first time I saw this, I was like, what? No. Yeah. yeah that like, was a cool where trip. is Antonio? Like mm-hmm. it, it, they did a lot of stuff that kind of threw you for a little loop mm-hmm. because you did sit there and you're like, wait, where's the kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was the big moment when when I was like, oh, wait a minute. She's seeing things entirely differently than everyone else is. And I kind of started going back into it. It's pretty obvious at that point what has been going on. But, you know, I think that was kind of like the big hammer that's like, hey, in case you haven't noticed, you know, she's she's not seeing things clearly. Yeah. Well, I needed the big hammer at that point. <laughs> <laughs> It was a good one. It was definitely a good hammer. I liked it. I I, I yelled it when we saw that he wasn't in her arms too. It was yeah. Good. Yep. 
one thing I thought that was kind of on a funny note of it that I think you'll all enjoy since you have, you do the stone witches hour, the scene um, during that 70s show where they would have like, where they'd be always smoking and they'd have like the camera that was in the middle would just spin around them. Yes. So like in the scene where they're trying to redo the seance, they're all singing the um, Centea, the mm-hmm. little like little jingle. The and jingle. All, yeah. Oh, and they're all singing. The I'm jingle like, gets stuck in my head. But. I know me too. But they're, when they're going around with the camera like that, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like that 70s show except with terrifying demons, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I, that's where the, the, the smoking and being silly situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not a good situation to be silly in for sure. No, for but sure. the, the part, the party where she tries to go get her friends to come redo it. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, but who has a party in the middle of the afternoon? Like why? <laughs> well, I understand your parents are out of town, but that, that, Opportunism, that was the one I guess. detail. That <laughs> <laughs> was quite the large party for a Saturday afternoon. I oh, thought. for sure. Mm-hmm. You see me doing that though at that age. I'm like, ah, hey, the parents aren't home. Everybody Any come excuse. over. Yeah. Gone. The hell with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of sad that her her friends like all abandoned you know, her. weren't there for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a And you could tell part. it was kind of they were just afraid. Like yeah. she was telling, like, you know, the when she was whispering, she was whispering she would die today. And she was like, but come help me. And it's just like it was heartbreaking yeah. that they wouldn't help her. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like that we know we opened some shit and uh, it's only affecting you. So I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they just, they, they duck and ran, man. They duck and ran from her. Yeah. They were just scared, sort of selfish kids. Who yeah. Doesn't really understand what was going on. And I, yeah. I like the part where, yeah, like throughout it, she kept seeing the neighbor across the way that you could tell kind of, she wanted that life where like, you see the dad helping her. She's mm-hmm. dancing around singing, just has this real carefree life. And you could tell she just kind of was like envious of that the whole time. Mm-hmm. And at the end, like right towards the end when she's taking the Ouija board and she's like, kind of like putting it back together and you can see it's just like kind of closing the gap of where like yeah, that was. It was just kind of like, mm-hmm. yep. Just like closing and, the like, door said, on that life. Kind of heavy handed, but really well done and really yes. perfect yeah. symbolism for what's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, she had to say goodbye. It was it was heartbreaking, but but good, Very, really yeah. good. Yeah, you see a lot of the struggle she had. She was basically the pseudo mother to the kids because the you know, single mom with four kids. She all she has she has to work so much to be able mm-hmm. to to finance all of this, and you know she's kind of the de facto mom of um, all these kids and stuff. And it was just such a heavy thing for such a young person. Yeah, I, I was in the same oldest of four children. I was the de facto mom for the longest time. And I, I could very much relate to she was so abandoned, you know, her, her mother, you know, her father died and abandoned her. Her mother had to work mm-hmm. so much and basically wanted her to be the adult and, and abandon her. Even when she asked for help, mm-hmm. you know, she was she was kind of let down and then asked her friends for help and was let down. She other than like the weird blind nun, nobody really helped her out at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She tried. She did try. Then the other the other nun just kind of like oh she's just a crazy old lady yeah oh. that's right well the, the uh, hermana Moretta sister death they called her right mm-hmm. yes I liked that and she, she liked that better than um, Narcissa yeah she's like mm-hmm. she's like better than hermana Narcissa and I was like yeah. oh my god that's right <laughs> I thought that was- but you could tell that she wanted to help but she was saying like you know she did this to herself because she was seeing those things and it seemed like for her, it was just like somehow she was seeing those things and like now she was, and she was very sensitive to it, which is also possibly what happened to Veronica is that she was just more sensitive to this and that's why it kind of came mm. after her. And probably she was the one that was suffering the most. And I've totally felt that because I was like, oh, I remember being like a teenager and probably around the same age using a Ouija board trying to contact my dad. And I was like, yeah, luckily for me, it didn't end badly, but man, mm. it's just like, and like, as she says to her, um, sister death says to her, you know, is not who you want to contact. It's who you do contact. And I was like, yeah. oh, that just hits so. And then she opened the door and didn't close it. And that's yeah. that's the thing I try to I, I try to explain to folks about Ouija boards, like kind of on a, a serious note. Ouija boards are going to attract anything and anyone in the closest proximity. If you want to ask to speak to a specific person, you go to a medium or a psychic or what have you. If you're looking to just bottom of the barrel scrape for the lowest of the low, whatever spirit of a crazy rabid raccoon is wandering by your yard at that moment, (laughs) then use the Ouija board. The Ouija boards are going to get you the bottom of the barrel. You know, you want to talk to your grandmother, a a parent, a sibling, you go to a go to a psychic medium type person because with Ouija boards, it, you know, I joke about it, but it really is kind of a fuck around and find out situation. I mean, we talk about this particular movie. There's tons of other movies 
there's true stories based on bad things have happened with Ouija boards. Like if you really want to make that connection, do it the proper way. And, and using a Ouija board is is not necessarily something Parker Brothers should be pumping out mass. <laughs> right? I don't think nobody so wants either. the ghost of a rabid raccoon running no. in their house. It's or in not. like our location, a really pissed off gator. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that would be bad. <laughs> we have the skunk ape as yeah, well. Yeah, we do also. have the skunk ape. Oh, right. Yeah, or just Florida Man. <laughs> Florida Man, right. The ghost of Florida Man passed. Florida Man, just go to the local Wawa. You'll find one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've heard of Wawas. There's no such thing as a Wawa on the West Coast. What is a Wawa? It's just a gas station with a whole lot of like food made to order food and stuff like that. And Why is everyone obsessed with Wawa's? <laughs> this is kind of funny because of where Dan and I are originally from. Yeah, because so. there's a bit of a fight over which which gas station do you prefer? So in oh, Mar- right. especially in Maryland, because like it wasn't so bad where Dan was from because Dan was from Pittsburgh where they just had sheets. We um, know sheets. Maryland, we had Wawa. I've heard sheets and Wawa mentioned together. Mm-hmm. Maryland has both. There's a culture war. And people will fight you tooth and nail about which is better. I'm team sheets. But down here in Florida, we don't have sheets. We just have Wawa, which is really weird because Wawa has like is in central Florida and then not anywhere in between here and like northern Virginia. Like there's nowhere. Yeah. It's like for some reason they just brought here. I'm like, right sheets, there. come down here, please. Yeah, <laughs> I'll right. patronize you. So like for me, sheets has better food. Wawa has a better drink selection. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those gas stations. It's like a convenience store. You can get like your mm-hmm. pizza and hot dogs yeah. and coffee. And they stuff have a whole made to order thing. Like they have and there's another, like- there's another entrant down here and another couple other Southern places called Bucky's. Oh yeah. So Bucky's is a, is a place that was started as like a truck stop kind of thing. And the guy who wanted like, we wanted to have the nicest, most clean, awesome bathrooms you could imagine. And That's they've up, they've up, they've upheld that, but they've also become like a big made to order and they branded food and all this, all this crap. And they're a big deal. The closest one to us is like Daytona. We have a friend who's gone there, like they would go drive up to North Carolina and they would stop there every time. And he bought all this road trip to Bucky's. Yeah. yeah he bought all this crap. He's got t-shirts and all. You know, it's really you know, funny how much stuff he has, but like there's, there's even a wrestler who's a, like, she's all about sheets and another guy's all about Bucky's. And they had a bit of a, a feud, a, a bit of an online so feud about feuds it with everyone. Sheets yeah. versus Wawa. Sheets is pretty great. Bucky's. Sheets okay. is pretty great. Yeah. It, no, they they have, said you're a sheets girl, right? I, I am. They have mac like, and cheese bites that are just, ooh. Well, they have so much so good, good, like they have stuff like on the made to order thing. Like if you want mac and cheese, they're like, here's, you can have a mac and cheese. But mm-hmm. if you want to add like meat and all this other stuff, like here's how you can do all the toppings. And of course, from mm-hmm. my, I'm from Maryland. So like Old Bay is like part of our life. So mm-hmm. you can add Old Bay to your mac and cheese and stuff like that. And so it's just stuff like that. You can that. buy Old Bay ice cream in, in Maryland. Yeah. We kind of baptize kids with Old Bay. That's they Maryland. They, they, they yeah. do. They, they do. It's a true story. <laughs> my, my, my poor cousin, we, we always joke that he's really, really smart. Like if you watch Big Bang Theory, he's like Sheldon level smart. Oh, wow. And yeah, he's like, a, at, um, he like basically got like full ride scholarships to like be in mathematics and stuff. Like he's like smart, smart, truly a genius. Yeah. And he's so awkward though, in very much like Sheldon. So imagine Sheldon when he was like maybe seven, eight years old. And he, he's like the one Marylander that doesn't like crabs. Like it's like, you're, you can't not like crabs in Maryland. And I guess one of our uncles was cracking a crab and some of the old bays shot him in the eye. And I've had that happen. It's very painful. And most kids, you know, around that age would freak out. He does this. He covers his eye and goes, I don't understand why this has happened to me. <laughs> that's great. And so like, <laughs> Such a Sheldon thing to say. Exactly. So we, we were like, that's what, because he said he didn't like Big Bang. So we were like, that's why you don't, because you are Sheldon. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and we're like, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're independent and we're pretty sure he's Sheldon. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you for explaining. I, I had no idea. I hear people talk about Wawa and sheets all the time on the East yeah. Coast, and I, I didn't yep, know. It's a it's a thing. It's like a little culture war. So okay. that's what, a new there's... history channel show. It's called Gas Station Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that would be there's really there's funny. two things in California that I wish we had In and Out Burger, oh. and um, what was the other place we went? The chicken to? place. Um, the chicken place. Oh, uh, uh, starts with a Z. Zanku. Zanku. I have not seen Zanku. It's, oh, it's like I... an, it's like Southern California, LA. Um, hmm. 
I'll have yeah. to. I'll have they to have look a garlic sauce that's to die for. So. Yeah, it's, right. and it's, it, it's really fun. They have, if you want to look up something crazy, if you like true crime stuff, there's what's called the Zanku chicken murders, where there was like murders within the family and stuff. Like it's wild. Oh, like, I'm looking yeah, that up right now. Yeah, look up <laughs> Zanku chicken. It's so good. What are they like murdering each other over this like secret I, chicken recipe? No, I guess uh, like, the, like I don't they, know. That garlic sauce is good enough. <laughs> no, I guess there was an issue in the family. Something happened where there was, um, like a few, something happened within the family. I forget the full story of it, but there was a situation, I guess, where one family member killed another or something like that. And but yeah, it's a, the recipe is like this hidden like recipe for this garlic thing that they, I guess, like the owner like makes it from scratch like every day and stuff. And it's just it's kind of a chain thing now. But I guess they like mass make it and then just drive it to all the stores. So mm-hmm. yeah, it looks wow. like there's 12 locations in the LA area, and I will be looking one up. First thing that came up was the Zanku chicken murders. So mm-hmm. yeah, looking- it's very famous. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want a true crime. That'd be a good topic. Yeah. yeah. And you could, you, you could, you could go get some cause they have like takeout and stuff and yeah. eat it while talking about it. That's right. Combine mm-hmm. two of my favorite things, munchies and true crime. Exactly. How can you go yeah. wrong? It's oh perfect. my God. Their wraps. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. So no, good. you have, have to, to get find some. one. So good. But I say from there, I mean, if there, I figure we could go into our ratings unless there's any other parts of it you guys want to talk about. I, I did want to mention that I think one of the, there was a lot of creepy elements to this movie. Like this was bar none, excellent movie, five star. Um, but the one of the creepiest things at the very, very end of the movie, when the detective picks up the photo frame and starts getting burned and then, like, just her face burns out. But that then really happened. It did. Yeah. But then, after a little bit, then they show they go back to the picture, like a few minutes later, and the face comes back together. It, uh, it's like they reversed it. I I, it reminded me of when she put the Ouija board back together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the face came yeah. back. To, and I was like, Yeah, the connection. What the heck? Yeah. yeah. Now, and that <laughs> real picture that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like all burned that's, up. That's and... the part that makes it creepy. Is uh-huh. it like, like, that happened. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a well, photo of burn. the actual picture out mm-hmm. there online. It's, it, yeah, it's creepy. Now, are the pictures at the end actual crime scene photos? Because I was looking stuff up and it, it didn't no, look like not. it was. Okay. They're, they're, made, they're like scenes from the movie made to look like the crime scene. They did that very well. I liked how they did that. Yeah, I, I thought it was real. The first time I looked it up, and I, was like, yeah. I was like, did they actually get crime scene? But no, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, these look like movie photos, but they look like they could be real. So I did the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they hit the stylistic part. Right they on. did that really well. I did one creepy thing I wanted to share. That's another true creepy thing is that um, they did a documentary and they interviewed the parents. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the documentary, after they closed everything down, uh, there's a voice in the static that says, we're not done yet. Oh, I've not seen that. Now I have to watch that. Yeah, I like, need to see that. <laughs> They talk about, I have to see if I can find it. Oh, yep. Here it is. It's on Decrypt. Okay. Nice. Let's we'll look that up. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that they hear a voice. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We haven't started yet. Oh, so there's a voice at the end in the static that says we haven't started yet. Oh, that's creepy. Right. And that's the thing with this. It reminded me a lot of like situations like the Enfield poltergeist and stuff like that. Except with all of those, I feel like the one thing is that people are skeptics could argue there's something to gain from it. You know, kids are just being kids. This girl died. There was nothing to gain. You know, the family yeah. has nothing to gain by reporting this. So no, they lost right. their they lost a sister, or a daughter, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, this is one of those that really, yeah. I have a hard time with anyone that tries to debunk stuff like that because mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I can, I try to be Plus like fun and games. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I can see the skeptic side of stuff. Cause I think it's good to look at both sides. Cause there are probably cases mm-hmm. where things are fake, but like sure. cases like, um, I think you guys even talked about the actual true exorcist case. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was in cottage. It was at cottage city, Maryland that yep. it started before it went to, was it, is it Minnesota, Minneapolis? Where was it? No, it was St. Louis, right? St. Louis, that's right. St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you. Yes. So, but that one, um, up until very, very recently, like last couple of years, the name of that boy was never released. Right, right. And and they just recently, because basically the guy figured out who it was and interviewed him, but he agreed basically with the condition that until he died, they would never release his name. And he recently passed away and they finally released who it truly was. But it's like, apparently the guy was like a, literally like a rocket scientist. Oh, wow. And never had a problem the rest of his life. But it was just like things like that, where it's like, he had probably really nothing to gain from that. The fact that he didn't want to be found and was like, you can release my name after I'm dead. <laughs> Pretty much like, and I don't want to know. people were fame seekers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there are fame seekers. You know, there's a jerk in every crowd. Mm-hmm. But these people generally 
aren't fame seekers. They don't want people to know what happened to them or who they are or or the details of these events. Mm -hmm. I mean, this girl literally died. This wasn't Mm -hmm. a teenage prank. No, no. This is a family that was severely hurt by this. And the police involved, you know, they have no reason to fabricate any of this. Mm -hmm. In fact, they, if they, they wanted to downplay it, they could have fabricated it the other way. And they didn't, they truly documented what they saw. And like you said, the way the Spanish police are very skeptical. If there was any element of this that did not happen, um, they would in no way, shape or form go along with it because that's not, that's not the mindset of the Spanish police. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, for sure. in, in my research on the true story, I, I did find some explanations. There are some people that say that there could have been um, carbon monoxide poisoning in the house. And that would, it, it, all the exact same types of symptoms, the, the hallucinations, the, the passing out, the seeing things, um, a lot of the feelings that people had, the dizziness and um even to the point of the police coming in the house because they had some of the same feelings. They immediately felt nauseated. They, mm-hmm. they felt dizzy. They felt strange temperature fluctuations. And, and some of that again could be due if the house had some carbon monoxide type poisoning going on, that that could cause it. And also that the, I've heard that the mother was kind of narcissistic, which I thought was kind of funny when they kind of gave that similar name to the nun, but mm-hmm. the mom mm-hmm. was a little bit interested in, um, she was just too emotionally invested in her children and she was invested, invested in getting a little attention for herself. Mm-hmm. And so some people try to posit that it was carbon monoxide poisoning and a, an overactive imagination and fame seeking mother, mm-hmm. but she didn't really, I, I guess I haven't really found too much evidence of her seeking mm-hmm. fame, just rumors that people think that might be what caused it. Yeah, if there what, was con- if there, it was an apartment building, right? Correct. So if there was a like a gas leak, you'd think it right. wouldn't be affect others. Yeah, it wouldn't just be the next family would be affected. Then didn't have the problems right. either. So and they did do tests on on the young girl, and I don't believe that they found any evidence of something like that in her blood. And I do mm-hmm. believe you yeah. can see elevated yes, levels. You can. So yeah, so it's it's a theory, but there doesn't seem to be a lot to back it up. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. that the symptoms seem to be similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think I'm, I just think sad. There's there's more evidence that it's true than there is that it's not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I want to know where that Ouija board is because man, I would rock playing with that thing right now. (laughs) Nope. Michelle likes playing playing with fire. It's all you. I am that person. (laughs) No, you can has it. Yeah, I don't even know where mine is anymore. I know my mom still has it. I think at her house. One day we'll find it. (laughs) I actually have a collection. I have um, about nine Ouija boards now, and actually here. Here in Salem, Massachusetts, there is a Ouija board museum. Oh, wow. Ouija board and spirit board museum, they call it. Nice. If folks are interested in all types of different beautiful, beautiful Ouija boards, the museum here is a great place to check out. But fuck around and find out. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. I I go to the museum, but I'm not going to fuck around and I don't want to find out. Right. I I don't need to invite anything like that, especially down here in Florida. Like, I don't need Florida man haunting our house. Yeah. Half Florida man, half gator. You'd get like Jack Sparrow down there. Yeah. (laughs) Enough strangers. You guys get like the Pirates of the Caribbean down there if you start playing with Ouija boards. Yeah. We, well, Gasparilla Festival down here is pretty much literally that people dressing like pirates and drinking a lot. That sounds like a good time. I've never actually been to it, but (laughs) one of these years I plan to go. I don't know if this counts as a horror movie, but one of the greatest 80s B-movies is called Witchboard. It has like Tawny Katane in it. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Great movie. Great movie. Another one. Fuck around and find out. Yeah. Um, every, you know, people die at the end. But I, I just think that this particular movie, Veronica, is a good indication of certain people don't always believe in everything that other people believe in. But playing with a Ouija board irresponsibly in my opinion, resulted in a teenage girl dying. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty shitty made for, made for a freaky movie, but these things do happen. And, and people think horror movies are just people's overactive imaginations. How many horror movies are based at least loosely on fact? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We live in a horrific world. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that's sure. true. Like a big horror movie. And we're all the producers. But I I really appreciate you guys kind of introducing me to something that I may not have otherwise watched because especially because the subtitle thing, I would have skipped over this on Netflix. 
And I am actually really glad I watched this movie and I'm going to watch it again um, to see what else I pick up differently. And and I appreciate that because I wouldn't have, I would have just scrolled past this otherwise. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad that you guys enjoyed it because I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. When I started listening to your podcast, I was like, I know what is a good movie that we could all talk about <laughs> together. Yeah. This was a good one. It's a lot of the, a lot of foreign films really, really hit the right spots. There, there's a lot of ones that we could probably recommend. Americans don't give enough foreign films enough credit mm-hmm. for sure. They don't, oh, the general audience doesn't. And I yeah. think uh, that's definitely a, a mistake. That's kind of what we've been doing with our podcast, trying to like bring more of that to mm-hmm. the forefront to be like, hey, you should what, check What was out. the one Korean one that was really creepy? Anyway, we... t- Tale of Two Sisters? Yes. Okay, so have was... you guys seen the movie The Uninvited? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's actually based on this Korean movie called The Tale of Two Sisters. I actually oh. kind of, I liked The Uninvited for what it was, but after watching Tales of Two Sisters, I'm like, there was so much more that could have been done. Mm-hmm. So that figures. I'm, I'm writing this down. Now I'm going to watch it. Yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, that's one of the comparisons we're going to do at some point is comparing those two because, listen, I actually still liked The Uninvited for what it was. But after watching this, I was like, oh my gosh, this took like the most basic concept from that movie when there was so much more you could have done with it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like twist after twist after twist, like the whole time you're like, what is happening? That's fun in a movie. I like that when you can surprise you. Yeah, so. And then that, that's what you don't get with a lot of these mainstream movies anymore, like Scream and Halloween. If I see Michael Myers <laughs> one more time, okay, <laughs> seriously, like. You know what's going to happen. You can predict the ending the minute mm-hmm. you start the movie. Mm-hmm. These movies, you don't know what's happening turn to turn to turn. Yeah. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. There's there's no predictability. You might be able to loosely say, you know, I know how this is going to end. But minute by minute, you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. this is, th- whoa, you know? Yeah. And I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's a, what we love because I always there was a thing I heard once where someone said like you know jump scares and like gore in movie as like the as that is the terror of the movie because like a good jump scare here and there I think is good and some and movies that have a lot of gore but they have a great story are fine but if that is the reason for the horror I heard once someone said that's the equivalent of a comedian trying to tickle you to make you laugh like basically yeah. it's like the the uh, cheap easy it's way it's horror by numbers right? is what it is it's yeah Dan, Dan always says instead of paint by numbers it's horror by numbers mm-hmm. when they do this that's like, what it is it's trash. just like painting this story for you. That, and like yeah. one thing I heard someone say once about a lot of those movies, it's like, they feel like that when they do the American remakes, it's like they have to hold your hand through the whole thing, explain every little thing. Whereas like, I think the scarier things in a lot of horror movies is the unknown of it. Like that yeah. what, what you can think up is scarier than what they yeah. can show you. Yeah. You have, where you have to kind of fill the blanks in. There's a movie we reviewed called The Wailing that I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's very, Korean movie is very psychological and there's a lot of stuff that's left to your imagination. I definitely recommend that. I'm writing that one down too. Well, in my opinion, blood and guts doesn't make horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go hack at somebody with a chainsaw, but that doesn't necessarily make it horror. And, and you know, having my very first movie be The Exorcist as a child you can blood and guts me to death and that isn't going to scare me as much mm-hmm. as the ghosties coming after me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't go for gross out humor. I go for psychological. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the, the blood and guts factor doesn't necessarily make it horror in mm-hmm. my opinion. Absolutely. Cool. I love that. We all, agree. we all agree so much on all this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say let's Some roll ratings. to our ratings. Yes. Let's rate this bad boy. Dan, you want to go first for the overall? This is our, our skull emoji. Overall as a film, I think I will give it a four out of five. It is a brilliant example of a paranormal incident. That's one of the best examples of a real incident that happened. I think it was stylistically done very well. The only, only thing I might have been done a little differently is bring us some more of the the real story into it, which I think it would have made it even creepier, but they did a really great job with the source material of what really happened. And it ended up as a, as a very wonderful film. So four out of five for me. Yep. And I was going to do the same four out of five. I think it's one of those things where there's minor things here and there I'd change, but overall as a film, it just, I enjoy it so much and I can rewatch it many times over and still get something out of it. I enjoyed it more the second time. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's one that well, it's a grower, and you notice more details, which is a sign of a good film. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to watching it a second time. I, I agree. I'll have to also give it a four out of five. I'm going to follow the professionals and say that <laughs> you know, in, in my unprofessional opinion, I I really really liked it. I honestly, I'm not sure why I'm not giving it a five because it it just it hit all the all the buttons for me. It was fun to watch. It was fun to pick out all the, the visual details and the story. Just 
I liked how they kind of showed you the ending and then unwrapped it slowly until mm-hmm. you get to that point. And I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with, and I'm no expert on, on movie ratings here, but I'm going to give it a five out of five. Everything you guys said and more, the attention to detail, these were to me, unknown actresses and actors, and, and they did a great job. Everybody, uh, from start to finish of this movie. Great job. Great story. I agree with Dan. I wish they maybe would have added a tiny bit more of the real details, but what this lacked in blood and guts, it excelled at in messing with your mind. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And this was actually Sandra Escanona's first film. This was her, like the really? Veronica, this was her first film. This yeah, is her debut. Yeah, she was brilliant. She did awesome. great. She did a really good job. No, excellent job. Um, right down to the very little kids, the little kids even great, you know. Phenomenal. I just, all the actors and actresses were, were great to me. Mm-hmm. They really, because that's part of it, you know, if the actors and actresses don't sell you, Mm-hmm. And, and these, mm-hmm. these, these people, every single one of them sold the story to me. Absolutely. Yeah, they did. And definitely don't feel like we're experts in this because we just rate this as fans. So rate this as fans, like however you feel. Because <laughs> We're just people who enjoy this stuff and try to have our own As approach. far as I'm concerned with movies, there's no wrong opinion. Uh, or Dan will tell you unless you like Saul and then you're wrong. But <laughs> he always has to hate on Saul at some point throughout our <laughs> show. But, but the way I look at it Worst is like- Worst franchise you know, of all time. <laughs> But the way I look at a lot of it is just, you know, if you enjoyed it, that's what matters. So yep. even if it's something where, even if someone does enjoy Saw, Dan, they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> but, 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 but they can they, they can enjoy it. Just don't try to give me a legitimate reason why, because it's, it's torture porn and it's crap. <laughs> that's um, why I haven't seen them. I actually think torture porn it. would be more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the thing I don't like about it is I feel like they had a really good concept and they executed it badly is my opinion on soft. So if you want to see a good concept like that, watch the, watch the cube series. It's much better. Cube is very interesting. You know, I got to say, I have, I have um, defense on the first saw. The only reason I went and saw, saw, I see saw. <laughs> yep. Um, we, we we talked briefly about wrestling. You put Kane in a movie and I'm watching. I don't care what you say. You put Kane in a movie and I'm watching. He did a horror movie where he was the main antagonist and it was so bad. I know. It was disappointing. I forget the name of it. It was so terrible. But yeah, you, you know, you're going to put a WWE wrestler in a movie and I'm going to watch it just for the fact that you sucked me in that way. All right. So scare factor. How scary was this? Me, I think I'd probably give it about a four. If it wasn't based on a true story, it might be a little lower on Scare Factor, but the fact that this is a real thing made it a lot scarier to me. And they they nailed all the right notes from the real story to make you feel it. And so I think it was a pretty scary movie. So it was way above average. Yeah, I'm going to do the same as well, actually. I think it's just one of those things. I always feel like that I have to be like mortified forever for me to give it a five. Is how I usually rank stuff. It has but to be groundbreakingly scary. Like, me. I think one of the few ones I might have given a five to was Konjiham Haunted Asylum, the Korean movie, because yeah. that movie, oh my gosh, like, I will have yeah. nightmares for the rest of my life after that. Yeah, that so, but yeah, it's, it's up there. So, yeah, definitely, I think a four is fair. What are y'all thinking? I think I'm going to give it a three, actually. Not because I didn't love the scare in it. I did. I, I love the horror. I loved the creepiness of it. I thought it was very well done, particularly the subtle creepiness of some of the parts. Like the one time when they're showing the mold and the mold under the bed is in the shape of the, the demon claw coming mm-hmm. out and the, yeah. the body shapes, you know, and like in the mold on the mattress. It's just subtle little things like that. I loved the creepiness, but I'm going to give it a three because I... There's a couple times where I was jumping because I kind of knew what was going to happen or there was a little bit of a scare, but I wasn't ever really terrified. I, I liked the story. I really liked it. It was definitely creepy and I loved all of the, the atmosphere, but I'm going to watch it again and I, I won't be scared at all. And for me to have, I think, higher than a three, it really has to still be scary and still make me jump and scream and throw my popcorn and, <laughs> and all of that. So I loved it. Um, I, I loved the creepiness of it. I think it was phenomenal. But as far as like scare level, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, sure. I, I'm going to actually go um, and give it a four. Uh, but there's a couple of reasons, you know, kind of in the same thought with Layla, I have seen and experienced a lot of crazy stuff in my lifetime. And this is definitely up there with stuff, but definitely not the scariest or creepiest by far. But 
I will say four because this is based on true events and someone died as a result of paranormal activity. But as far as some of the actual events that happened, I've seen and I've heard of and and to a, a certain extent experienced worse. But the fact that it is real and, and, and that a teenage girl did die due to paranormal activity, definitely I'll give it a four. Good movie to watch. Good movie to rewatch. Totally worth it. Better than Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's especially, high praise coming from <laughs> Especially like like the original Halloween. I love past like past like it's and it's a legendary series and like the quality's up and down all over the place. But like I think the the horror of the first Halloween was that ordinary neighborhood mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. person things can happen. But I think Black Christmas was even crazier in that respect. Mm-hmm. But that one's scary. See, I, oh. over my head. I don't. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Black Christmas. Black but. Christmas, Black is, Christmas the, is creepy as hell. Look it's, into it. So, like a lot of people will tell you that the first movie that had like the whole like the callers coming from inside the house thing is from When a Stranger Calls, but it's actually Black Christmas is the first one to do that. Mm-hmm. So, if you get a chance to watch, it's getting it. longer. Yeah, if you Black Christmas is legendary. It's very good. Yeah. So they remade it, and the remake is, from my understanding, terrible. I never actually watched it because a lot of remakes are not good. I feel like one of the only times they've done a really good remake is something like The Thing was really good. The Fly was good, but it doesn't take the new Jumanji. I actually haven't watched it, but I've heard it. It looks fun. Yeah, I would like to watch that. Yeah, it's the one I could think of. It was fun. The Invisible Man was great. I heard they're remaking Swamp Thing, and I already am almost kind of like, eh. You can, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, how are you man. remaking that the, one? Good? The originals are great. Yeah, I, 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 I went to a, a screening with the with the guy who made it, and he was just such a crack up. That's what I'm saying. How are you going to remake that and have mm-hmm. it be good? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like just leave it alone. It's fine. Like I don't mind when they do something like with the Invisible Man, where it was a totally. Not it's like different, they took the name story, right. yeah. and their whole own thing. I think that's great if they do something like that. Fantastic, do that. Or even like the we mentioned one of those the mummy films, like with Brendan Fraser, totally different than the original mummy films, but mm-hmm. they're and they're hilarious and great. So the they're Brendan, their own yeah, thing. Like yeah. I'm so not th- I, w- I was thinking Toxic Avenger. That's the one I went to the screen. <laughs> Toxic Avenger is ridiculous. That's funny. All right. So jump into music and sound design, Dan. What do you want to give it? I loved the music. It was really varied, and I think it fit a lot of the moods. There was a lot of very very well done synthesizer music brings me back to like John Carpenter-esque kind of music and very heavy synths and it gave a really good aura and a kind of a foreboding feel to it. A lot of the musical selections are actually really poignant and I enjoyed the music a lot. I would give it a probably a four out of five, not quite legendary, but really, really well done. I was going to do similar. I was going to give it a three, but there's no like negative impact to it or anything like that. Just, to me, it's one of those, like you said, I like the synthesizer. I like that, you know, it had that John Carpenter feel, but again, wasn't anything that was totally groundbreaking. So mm-hmm. for me, it's a three. I was going to go the same. I was going to give it a three because I, I liked the music. It did feel like it went along with things, but I didn't really notice it too much. Nothing was hugely groundbreaking, but I'm actually going to give it a four. And that's because some of the music, if not all of it, was the band, the, the t-shirt and the posters that are throughout the whole in the movie, like in her bedroom, the t-shirt and stuff she wears, it's the band that's doing the music for the the soundtrack. So that bumped it up to a four for me because I I like that. I do like that. It was a good tie-in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a three uh, as well because everything was appropriate, um, appropriate style music at the appropriate moments, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like it really kind of stood out. It was there. And you noticed it, but it wasn't anything stand out. I don't think it, it didn't take away anything, but I don't really think it contributed anything as well. It was appropriate and, and everything that they put in there was well-placed and, 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 and definitely good, but it could have not been there. And I don't know if I would have noticed its absence. Mm-hmm, for sure. All righty, moving on to effects. So for effects, we kind of count a little bit of everything. So for me, I'm actually going to give it a four for effects because I loved, especially with like the camera work, like scenes like where she, like when her friends like abandon her and she's walking and you can see that like people around her are moving backwards and it's like everyone around her is like in reverse. That just to me was like embodied, like the feeling you must have and that like just everything is wrong. And then where she like, looks like she passes by herself and then she goes to turn and her hair kind of turns with her and stuff and 
little things like that when she sits up in bed and the camera moves exactly with her or when she's jumping through like to try to save Antonito and he's and she breaks the glass and goes into the bathroom and she falls and hits her head the camera like perfectly aligns with her the entire time and little things like that I always think are just really extra fun and again little things like the what looked almost like the mold and the shape of the the demon under the bed and everything just I feel like all those things give it just that little extra oomph to bring it up to the four. It's almost a five, but I'm going to go with a four. Yeah, I, I think I would go with a 4.5 in my, <laughs> in my not, you know, I don't watch a ton of movies, but I, I liked everything that was done here. And, and right from the very beginning, the, the whole look of it with the rain and the atmosphere, they, they caught the atmosphere so, so well. And, and with her yawning, like in the beginning, it looks like she's screaming, mm-hmm. but it, it's actually, she's mm-hmm. yawning and just little things like that through the whole thing. And, and um, there wasn't a lot of special effects, but you know, what was there, everything was done so well, I thought, and it just made it all seem so real. It was all done so seamlessly and, and, and perfectly in with the theme of the movie and, and in with what was happening. You just didn't really notice anything. It just, again, with the, the demon being subtly in the background. And I like the back, the backward scenes as well. And sometimes where, uh, like her, the text of everything on like the posters in the background were all backwards at one point. And so you could tell you were in kind of a mirror universe. And the, so again, subtle stuff, nothing huge or groundbreaking, but, but really well done. One of, the, one of the special effects I really liked and I thought they did a really good job with because some movies can really mess this up. One of the final scenes of the movie towards the very end when the demon, when her body is up in the air and the demon is trying to shove his fist down her throat. Mm-hmm. They did a very good job visually with that. That was creepy. Some productions don't do as good, but that that looked real. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. They did. That was a good special effect. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't a lot of special effects throughout it, but what little ones they had very well. They they did very well. Yeah, I definitely I definitely give it, you know, a, a, a four star. Nothing. You know, this wasn't Avatar by any stretch, but it was definitely <laughs> a, it was, they, they definitely what they did do. They did very well and they knew not to be too heavy on it. Mm-hmm. Great production. I like when things are especially like, like some effects, like you said, like Avatar and things like Star Wars, a lot of those can have like amazing effects and they look great. But for horror, there's something always to me about like the, the practical effects that always. Less is more with horror. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Less is more. Yeah. Practical effects are always a, a one up for me. They had a lot of pretty good practical effects in this. A lot of the the different things with like, like the cross and everything. And there's like, obviously the monster itself, like the, the black figure was, was definitely CGI and stuff, but I think they did a pretty solid job with it. Parts of it, I think, were were actual costume walking around. Some, some of it were. Some of like when they showed like the face, I think were more CGI. Yeah, I think it like d- that. depended on the scene, but yeah. yeah some- but I, I think they did a really good job with the effects. I would probably give it a four as well. It's not like legendarily groundbreaking or anything, but everything fit, everything was pointed, it was well done. It gave you a real sense of dread and foreboding mm-hmm. and everything. I think it, the effects match what the field that they were trying to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And our last one is gore level. So we more, more or less rate like how gory was this? Like if you can't handle gore, don't watch, don't watch, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Gore level, I would say it's a two. It's not and really gory. There's moments where not really many gross out moments. Actually, it's more psychological than anything so mm-hmm. it's pretty low you know actually i think i'll revise i think I'll give it a one on gore there's pretty much no gore in this at all yeah other than like minor things like her like having the bruises you could maybe mm-hmm. count towards that but for me i was at one point i think she does get gets from the hand hand down the throat is a little yeah. gross but it was a little gross when the kids you could see the kids pulling the skit the flesh away from her yeah yeah. They're biting her. The, yeah you know later it's a bruise but um yeah maybe. That part was a little gory. There might be some folks who might feel a little bit of gore um, when she's got the piece of the mirror in her hand and then goes to, to go at her throat. But I, I agree with Dan. I'd say I, I if there was such thing as a zero, I'd say zero, but <laughs> we'll go with one star. There's no real gore in this movie, which I love. I'd rather mm-hmm. the, the psychological than the gore. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You can you can have both like. A zombie movie will probably have more like mid-level mm-hmm. levels of gore or whatever, but you can you can have a, an intriguing story where it's just kind of part of the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this didn't require it, and they didn't. 
they didn't do that horrible thing where they just shoehorn it in just to make it more splattery. Who needs gore when you have a Ouija board? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I was fully expecting them to, at the end, I was desperately afraid for um, Antonio, Antonito. Antonito. I was was desperately afraid for him. And because I was so sure that that's where the gore was going, I would have to also give it a one because I think other than the kids fighting, there really wasn't anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was sure that they were going to have some gory end scene and I was going to have to cry over little Antonito because he was adorable. I know. I was was so happy when he lived, but I was like, oh, no, not Antonito. Invocation, drawing the invocation symbol aside, I forgive him. He's He's little. Yeah, he's a little kid. He didn't know anybody. He was like, pictures on walls. Great. Yeah. Sure. I'll draw I'll draw out Satan with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm gonna be the, the oddball and give it a two, only because when I for my personal reading, when I do it, when I do gore, if it's a one means there's zero like blood at all for me. And again, this is all just personal rating for me because mm-hmm. of the scene where the glass shatters and very early on she's got the blood dripping on there, getting the hands them biting yeah. at her. Mm-hmm. That I'm gonna still give it the the two four but it's a very it'd be like kind of like a one and a half to two kind of thing it's very low it's something yeah. the average person could handle it's a diet too a diet too i like it i like it <laughs> it's a two it's a two zero if coke was making it right <laughs> right right it's a diet coke of gore just there one calorie not gory enough <laughs> if dr evil <laughs> is writing yeah. <laughs> the diet coke of evil <laughs> It was well done, actually. <laughs> this was so much fun. Well, all good. And I'll sign us also. This has been We All Pod down here. Thank you all so much, Shell and Layla. We had a blast. I hope we can get it Thank again you. sometime. Yes, for sure. Welcome oh, anytime. It's been awesome. This has been a blast, guys. So much yeah. fun. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid.